Hey, thank you for joining us for episode two of the HBCU audio experience. I had a chance to talk to Vincent Owens from Canapreneur and the Canapreneur Society. Learned a lot. He really knows his stuff. I really think you're going to get some value out of this episode. Hope you like it. This is the second episode of the HBCU audio experience. I'm here with Vincent Owens, who is a millennial cannabis entrepreneur. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, Vincent? Yes, sir. So um, I'm Vincent Owens. I'm from uh, Decatur. I'm from Decatur, Georgia. Um, I got started in the uh, medical cannabis space uh, really when I graduated from Meharry Medical College with my master's in public health and uh, was going to go to medical school. And I decided that um, I decided that Western medicine wasn't something that I even really practice. I believe in more holistic routes, and I, f- I feel like that's kind of the thing with millennials nowadays, especially is everybody's trying to get away from pharmaceuticals, opiates and stuff, and everybody's starting to shift more toward other natural ways to heal your, heal your body. And, um, yeah, so, so that's kind of where I got started in the cannabis space, moved out here in 2017 in the summer. So I, I'm almost a year in, and, uh, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a journey, but it's definitely been a great time doing it. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm going to take you back a little bit. So you say you're from Decatur, correct? Yeah, I'm from Decatur, Georgia. Okay. Okay. What was your upbringing like? Um, well, when growing up, um, I mean, I grew up in a Christian household. Um, you know, both of my parents, they, uh, you know, typical black family, uh, they got divorced, uh, you know, and uh, and I was very close to both of my parents. Went through school. They kept me grounded in school. Then, uh, you know, after I graduated from high school, uh, I decided to get out of Georgia and go to a different state for college. So I ended up moving to um, I ended up moving to Tuskegee, Alabama. I did my four years of undergrad there, got my biology pre-med degree uh, from Tuskegee University in 2014. Um, and then after I graduated from there, uh, you know, I was on track to go to medical school, like I was saying earlier. And I ended up um, going to, I moved up to Nashville, Tennessee, where uh, there's a huge, you know, historically black college uh, presence there with Fisk and uh, Fisk and uh, TSU and Meharry being in that one uh, that one driving area. I mean, you could walk to all three. So was up there, and that's kind of where I fell more in love with um, with medicine as a whole. And you know, I've always used cannabis. Um, didn't really know what I was using cannabis for. I think that's kind of what a lot of people's issue is: is they don't really know what they're using it for because there's there hasn't been much education in the past. Most people just know that it make you feel good, it make you get high, it make you hungry, it makes you go to sleep, and those are all those are all benefits to our health and holistically. And so, um, yeah. So then moved out here, like I said, moved out here. Uh, well, actually, I moved to Ohio. I actually moved to Ohio for about a year. Um, that's where I was going to start medical school and. Um, I took a turn. Uh, I was one point short on my MCAT exam, and I did a summer program at Ohio State. Uh, they did. They denied me. Didn't let me in. And I, you know, and there I kind of went through a phase for a couple months where I was like, man, damn, you know, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my life. I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to work for Sprint. I don't want to work for, you know, a corporate, corporate America for the rest of my life. So what can I do? My cousin introduced me to the medical cannabis space. He lived in Atlanta at the time, and 
uh, we drove. Uh, he drove from Atlanta. I drove from Ohio. We got a license. We got our license under Prop 215. In California, Prop 215 was the old proposition by the governor, which allowed for medical marijuana to be legal. And uh, now it's Prop 64, which allows for recreational cannabis. So we got in on the Prop 215 side. I own the delivery service. Used to deliver about 153, about 200 to 300 people a week. Uh, and I was busting out these deliveries pretty much by myself, me and my cousin. Um, and then I, and then as Prop 64 kind of came in fruition, it just, uh, Prop 215 didn't make sense. We couldn't really do a medical uh, delivery service anymore. And uh, the, and this, what kind of ties in the conversation that I want to have with people is you can't get discouraged because of the amount of money you have if you want to get into this industry because there's so many other avenues besides actually touching the physical plant. I'm in the educational space, so I educate people, I advocate for cannabis, and I've been able to make um, a good amount of money financially and being able to, you know, I'm, I'm living in San Diego, California, which is one of the most expensive places in America, off of just educating people on CBD, THC, and the benefits of cannabis and, you know, and different stuff, so now it's becoming a thing for me. Tell us a little bit about uh, the benefits of marijuana and the TBD and the, you know, and everything else that goes into it. Yeah, so um, I'd love to share that. Um, I, I do want to start by saying uh, you guys can uh, you guys can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Um, I'm going to be putting up about, uh, my goal is to put up about 100 videos this year uh, on education behind cannabis, uh, both scientifically and just you know, just all, all things cannabis, period. Um, but, uh, and that YouTube channel is Cannapreneur Society. So that's C-A-N-N-A-P-R-E-N-E-U-R Society. Um, so with that being said, uh, so, uh, yeah, so with CBDs, that stands for cannabidiol. CBD is one, THC is two. So those are two of over 100 cannabinoids in our body. Now, uh, well, excuse me, not in our body, but in the cannabis plant and the hemp plant. Um, so uh, CBD uh, connects to a receptor um, in your endocannabinoid system called CB1 and CB2. I won't get too scientific behind it because you guys can really go look at the YouTube videos. But um, CBD is non-psychoactive. Um, it has been legalized by President Trump, which a lot of people don't know about. They didn't even call it the hemp bill, which I think is very misleading. They called it the farm bill. So President Trump's idea was to uh, create jobs, create, like he said, create new jobs uh, for farmers, bring farming back to America. And, the way, and one of his ways of doing that is by using America's cash crop, which used to be legal back in the day, which is known as hemp. Um, so CBD can come from two different categories. You have your CBD from hemp, which has a um, hemp has no THC, or if it does have THC, it has a 0.03% level or less. That is the legal limit by, in America. So you can consume 0.03% THC, but that's super, super, super small. So hemp that's, that's the first part of CBD. Then you have CBD, which comes from the cannabis plant. Um, and that CBD is more of, that's known more of, of what they call a full-spectrum CBD. So that still has 
uh, your THC, that still has your terpenes, your other cannabinoids, that still has your THC and your CBD in it, and so much more stuff. So that's really the difference between the two different CBDs. Uh, technically, CBD does not make you high at all. It has no psychoactive effects, so it's really good for the elderly. It's really good for elderly people, and it's really good for kids because most people are trying to find reasons uh, to heal their kids, whether it be, uh, you know, for uh, these um, symptoms of seizures that kids have or ADHD problems, and they put them on Ritalin. They don't need these medications. What they need is a dose of CBD, uh, the right dose, and, you know, to get on the right diet. And so I think that when you talk about CBD, you also have to talk about diet because you can't take CBD and then have a terrible diet because it really won't, it really won't work to the best of your ability. You might as well just smoke THC and get high. However, if you're a patient out there and you're dealing with cancer, you're dealing with diabetes, you're dealing with HIV AIDS, which in Atlanta is, I mean, we, in Atlanta where I'm from, we have a third world country rate in Atlanta for HIV AIDS, which is, you know, terrible. And they're still not introducing people enough. They're not educating people on other avenues besides getting on these medications. They could use CBD, lower their pain. CBD helps out with your cell count. It helps, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's, the endocannabinoid system is a system that they never taught us. I was a biology major. We learned about the endocrine system. We learned about the digestive system, the respiratory system, circulatory system. But there was never anything in none of the books that I spent all my money on in college that talked about the endocannabinoid system. And that system, if you look it up right now on Google, endocannabinoid system, that system is known as the master system. It regulates our body. It helps us with homeostasis. I mean, these, and, and, you know, if, 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 for instance, I ask people this question all the time. Let's say you don't take a certain amount of vitamin C, then you're going to have a vitamin C deficiency. You know what I mean? So what if you don't have enough cannabis, enough CBD and THC and other cannabinoids entering your body when there's a system that's naturally set in place for it? If they've deprived us since we've been babies from CBD, do we not think that we have a cannabis, uh, we, we, have, we, we have the same thing, you know what I mean? We, we, we have a, a problem with a lack of cannabis, which is why the prevalence of, 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 um, of cancer and the prevalence of anxiety and, and, and all these other diseases are running rampant it's because we, don't, we are not using our master system to uh, regulate all of the other organs in our system. That's CBD in a nutshell. That's really good information. And a lot of people don't get a chance to hear this. And I think part of it is because of the media and how they stop uh, marijuana companies and certain companies from advertising. Saying you can't advertise on Google or Facebook or Instagram, how do you or how does your industry advertise to get uh, content out there? Well, that is that is the that is the challenge right now in our industry is um, finding ways. I mean, Instagram shuts down cannabis companies every single day. They'll have twenty thousand, thirty thousand followers. They'll shut them down. So, I mean, honestly, I 
You know, I, I know it could be a matter, I don't mean to speak it in existence, but it could be a matter of time that my page gets shut down. I mean, it's just, it's sad. And all I'm doing is educating. I'm not even selling weed. All I do is educate people on the benefits. And, you know, they may catch on to that and they may not like that. And, you know, you have big pharma in the mix. So let's just talk about that, what you're talking about. So during the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Hello? Yes, I'm here. Hello? Yes, I'm here. You're still here, Vincent. Hey, can you hear me? I can. Vince? I think we lost Vince for a second. We'll get him right back. Hello? Yes, can you hear me, Vince? Yeah, I can hear you. Sorry about that. Uh, someone, someone called my phone, and you know how that goes. Sorry about that. It's okay. no big deal. We can, yeah. You said Super Bowl. Yeah, so, okay, sorry about that. So, the Super Bowl. So, for instance, um, there was – there was uh, the Super Bowl was actually supposed to uh, air the first ever CBD um, – the first ever CBD commercial. It was very, very intense, though. Um, it would have changed a lot of people's uh, uh, perception on uh, Western drugs, um, and this this would have been millions on millions of people that would have seen this commercial and would have been persuaded to go against Big Pharma. So I can't say that Big Pharma did it because there's no article out to say that. However, we all know what's going on. It's a money game, and CBD um, they they actually denied the CBD commercial at the last minute for the Super Bowl. Um, and they wouldn't allow for this CBD company to actually air their commercial, even though President Trump, who, who's our president, <laughs> said that we could actually uh, advertise CBD, ship CBD throughout the country legally, um, and also drive state to state with CBD in our car. And so, um, I mean, literally, so to answer your question, the places that we advertise, I mean, when we throw, if there's cannabis events, you can't really do them on Eventbrite because they will shut you down. Um, so there's, uh, there's, there's certain companies like Event High. Uh, my boy Ali, he created a concept called Event High, and it's for basically for the hemp and medical and uh, recreational cannabis space for different events. And so you can put your event on there and you don't have to worry about getting shut down. So what's going on right now is um, entrepreneurs are having to create other avenues. And that's why I said you can make money in this game and never even touch the cannabis plant. You can figure out a service. That's the biggest thing right now is creating a service because other services say we can't do it, but it's a real, it's, this is a real industry, so we have to be able to do it. So if anything that's going on in the regular world right now, you know, as far as advertising goes and stuff, you could actually do that and just create a cannabis funnel instead for it. So, I mean, Instagram, for instance, they, that's the biggest social plat, one of the biggest social platforms, and they won't allow us to advertise. I try to, you know how you can go and sponsor, you can go and sponsor your ad on Instagram and like allow, allow everybody in your area to see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't do that with cannabis. I've tried multiple times. Has nothing. I've done it with my educational events that I do in the past. I mean, that I've been doing and stuff, you know. And they won't allow 
for us to advertise on Instagram. Google barely wants you to advertise anything. doesn't matter if it's CBD or THC. So it's, it's really, really, really a hard time in the cannabis industry, but it's also a very exciting time because I'm seeing so many new entrepreneurs coming up with new innovative ideas that are changing and shaping the cannabis industry. Yeah, it, it is a... It is a, you know, a whole new frontier and something that's old. And, you know, if you study history, you see how, you know, you have these gold rushes. What do you think about the long term uh, prospects of the marijuana industry? Do you think it's going to be fragmented and controlled by a lot of smaller businesses or is it going to be a big business again? You know, three to five companies that's really controlling. Um. To be honest, if you look at the market in Canada, um, Canada uh, made cannabis legal everywhere in the country. And uh, it's one of the first countries to actually do that. And, um, yeah, so Coca-Cola, um, Corona, um, Anheuser-Busch, they, and other, other companies that's not even putting themselves out there, They've literally taken billions of dollars. I know for a fact that Coca-Cola is talking about making an infused drink. They're, 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 they're going to infuse drinks, but they're going to start in Canada. So if you look at that, I mean, once they jump in and they put one, I mean, Coca-Cola put $1.3 billion. They invested $1.3 billion into a legal grow op in Canada. That means that they're going to monopolize the industry when it comes to medicated beverages yeah people are always going to be black market people are always going to come out and try to create a product create a brand but what we have to realize what we have to realize is that um we it's hard it's bad to say it but we don't really have any say so when it comes to it be a very monopolized industry i think that just like um alcohol just like tobacco bunch of alcohol companies and when you do see a new alcohol beverage come out like the ones like uh, p diddy makes or you know ciroc you know all, all these different companies i mean they have money behind it so i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna go against these big companies you gotta have big money and so right now we gotta find a way as african americans and minorities to be able to come together and create that stream of income so we can fight against it because we did not fight against it for tobacco. We did not fight against it for alcohol. But I think that we can fight against it for marijuana. And if we don't, this is going to be the very, I mean, I won't say the very last thing, but this is like, this is prohibition time. I mean, we, like, I don't think African Americans really stepped up when it came to prohibition with alcohol because we didn't have, we didn't have the type of social avenues that we have now. We didn't have the, the, we didn't have the leverage in life that we have now. Same thing with tobacco. But it's a new day. It's 2019. It's almost 2020. You know what I mean? By 2020, this, this industry is either going to be all the way controlled by Big Pharma, which Big Pharma... Sorry, I got a siren coming by. All right, cool. So Big Pharma is actually going to control the industry, and it, and 
and it's tough to say it, but they have the money. They have the they have the finances to be able to do it. And right now they're fighting against it because they're trying to save pharmaceuticals. But that's not that in this. I say in this day and age, that's not going to be the thing now. You know, everybody's shifting toward cannabis. Everybody wants to know what CBD can do to benefit them. And once commercials are allowed, once more advertising, once you start seeing billboards of CBD companies, that's going to put. Uh, a lot of pharmaceutical companies out of business, and all bar- big pharma is going to do is start creating, uh, you know, medicines made out of CBD, and then you know you're going to be able to use health insurance to purchase CBD medicines over the counter, and and, and it's just gonna it's going to go into the same industry. So I think that you have to look at cannabis as this: we can't forget about the patients. We have a medical side. Medical marijuana will always be around, whether recreational, whether it's recreational or not. You have medical and then you have recreational. Medical marijuana um, will be controlled just like other pharmaceuticals in the future. Recreational cannabis will be controlled and regulated the same way that tobacco and alcohol is regulated because there's no need to reinvent the wheel. The government is not going to reinvent the wheel. They're just going to use what they've used in the past to be able to, to, be able to uh, shape the future. What was your relationship with marijuana growing up? Um, I mean, my parents was against it. My dad is a sheriff in Fulton County, Georgia. So this was, uh, this was, it was crazy. You know, this was really crazy telling my dad that, you know, I was going to go and get into the, into this medical cannabis space. He looked at me as if I was, you know, absolutely out of my mind. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, and then, and then I'm a, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. So growing up, I grew up Seventh-day Adventist. Um, my grandparents are really heavy in the church, um, you know, and so, um, yeah, so my relationship growing up, I didn't start smoking weed until my senior year of high school. I tried cannabis. Um, I liked how it got me high. Um, I enjoyed that. It made me relax, and I didn't really know the benefits. Like I said before, I didn't really know the benefits of what cannabis was really doing to my body until I got out here and started researching, and that was shit damn near 10 years ago you know and um so my relationship to cannabis i mean i was a heavy i smoked weed probably every day in college in tuskegee you know what i mean like who and just like everybody else and it was very it was a very social drug it made i mean it made everybody you know it it made everybody come together i would say that you know um there were always fights people fight when it comes to alcohol but the one thing that i noticed was when we were in college when we all just came together and we got high, there weren't no fights. There weren't no arguments. Everybody just ate snacks and munchies and, and, and hung out and had good conversation. And some people came up with super exhilarating ideas and created businesses at Tuskegee. And, you know, and it's just, you know, that, that was more of my experience with cannabis growing up was just really using it in more of a social environment throughout college and throughout my master's degree and now I still use it as a social social engagement with people. You know, I usually, when I pull up on someone for a meeting, um, I'm a firm believer in us at least, you know, um, um, I, I mean, everybody, cannabis affects everybody different. So I, I won't peer pressure people, but I always will offer someone, whether it's a vape cartridge or um, some joint, I'll always offer it because I think I'm a firm believer that cannabis opens up your mind. And it, and it really allows you to start thinking about things that you didn't really think about before you got high. And that really makes conversations and, and, and relationships a lot more exuberating. Now, tell me about your 
HBCU experience. I know cannabis was a part of it. Tell me. Oh, yeah, but it's a lot more. Than right. But you know, I know you got a chance to go to two HBCUs and most. Yeah, I got know. Yep. So tell me about yep. the experience, what you oh. expected it to be. Uh, would you have changed it? And how has never you, you know, over the long run? Yeah, so, um, yeah, my experience is going to two different HBCUs. Like I said, I went to Tuskegee University. You know, uh, for all my TU family tuning in, you already know TU. You know how we get down. And then uh, I went to Meharry Medical College out in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, two different two, two different experiences, however, the same type of people. Um, um, so at Tuskegee, obviously, it's undergrad. Uh, it was a lot. It was super turned up. Um, we definitely balled and parlayed, uh, we partied, but we got work done. And that's the beautiful thing about HBCUs. I've been, I've been in classrooms at PWIs, predominantly white institutes, and uh, literally they don't treat you the same. The teachers don't care about you as much, in my opinion, as they do at HBCUs. Uh, students don't work together at PWIs the way that students work together at HBCUs. Um, I was a part of uh, I, I I was a part of the Student Government Association my freshman year. Um, I was in the runnings for Mr. Freshman. Um, I was always active. Um, rather, it was uh, around the different Greeks. I never got the opportunity to actually pledge, um, but you know, I, all of my friends are Kappa's, Q's, AKA's, Deltas. You know what I mean? So, um, really, really seeing to me HBCUs. I wouldn't trade it for the world as a as a young black man. I think that it is very valuable, and I think it is very important um, for both self development. And just knowing yourself to attend an HBCU, whether it's for a year or two, and then you go somewhere else and finish your degree. It doesn't matter where you get your degree from, but I will say for people that's tuning in that the HBCU experience is like no other. I mean, it, it, was, it was such a great time. I mean, like I said, we partied, but then we would wake up, go to class. Everybody would help each other. If you needed to have study groups, people are always down to study. Uh, you always had that one smart girl that was in the class that would just help people, you know, help, especially me, help me get through. Because, I mean, I, I was a smart guy, but, you know, I did like the party. I definitely liked the party, and, and, and I used to go out a lot, and it was, it was fun. You know, we was in a little small – I mean, Tuskegee University is uh, one red light to the next red light. That's all you got. So, you know what I mean, the biggest franchise – the biggest chain we got is McDonald's out there. You know what I mean? And it's super, super country. And without Tuskegee University being there, that city probably would damn near be a ghost town. You know what I mean? So it's amazing to see how in a, in a, in a city like Tuskegee, Alabama, how people can, you know, come together and, and kind of, you know, it's, it's just amazing to see how, like, uh, students can hold – this organization and hold this community and this HBCU down. Um, and then also switching from Tuskegee to Meharry, it was just more professional. I mean, people were over the age of 21. So it was the same people, same type of people that went to Tuskegee. I mean, everybody, we just was a little more advanced, a little more grown up. So being, being able to see how um, African Americans are able to develop from the undergraduate level to that graduate level and still be able to hold that same level of dignity and, 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 you know, it just, it just amazing. And I mean, honestly, 
Nashville was the same way. I mean, literally, we was we was in between Fisk and TSU, so there was always a great time, a great community going on within the HBCU community. And I mean, you know, I, like I said, I would never trade it for the world. I would never go to a I would never go to a PWI. Honestly, if I were to go to medical school still. I would go to I would go to a HBCU medical. I would probably go to like Howard or Morehouse School of Medicine because I feel as if um, we have we have a very important role as role models and um, and I don't think that the HBCU experience, like I said, is necessarily you have to go to every school and every school has to be an HBCU. But that was just my preference. I like being around. I like being around people that can relate, people that, you know, uh, people that can relate to me. Nice. That's, that's always a, a great thing to be in the majority for a small, you know, five to ten year window of your life because the other night. It's rough. <laughs> gonna... It's rough. It's rough being, man, let me tell you, I wasn't, when I, and let me compare it to Ohio State. When I was in that, when I was at Ohio State and I was in their, um, in their suburb program, um, there, I mean, I was, what, two, one of two African-Americans out of like 40 people in the summer program. The rest were, I mean, the rest were minority as well. They were Indian or white or Asian. And it was, you know, it was, it was rough. You know, they, they, uh, it's not that they look at you any different. It has nothing to do with racism. It's just that, you know, they're like, man, you know, I think that they respect me a lot more because I was there within their presence. But again, there's nothing like being around people that look like you that went through the same that has the same history as you that went through possibly the same family values that you did there's nothing like that in 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 the world and like i said i wouldn't trade it for anything i would never go back on my experience if i could go and do tuskegee over again i'd go do it over again but i'd be i'd be the youngest boss there i'd I'd be i'd be all in the hemp industry i'd be i'd be slinging cbd all through the campus right now if i could Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. Now, give us a sense of where we're at from an aggregate point of view of marijuana in the country. So who's legal, who isn't legal, who's who's recreational, who's medical? Give us a sense of where we are. Okay. Um, well, right now there's 10 there's over 30 there's over 30 states that have a medical program. So we're more than halfway through the whole United States being some way legal. Um, um, we have 10 states that are, um, that are recreational, recreationally legal, majority of them are on the West coast. So if you, if you look at that, I mean, majority are on the West coast. So that means that the West coast values cannabis more than the East coast does, which it does. It's not surprising to me. If you look at the type of people that's in California, that's in Colorado, that's in Oregon and Washington. I mean, it's, it's a completely different lifestyle. I mean, uh, their lifestyle here is a lot more healthier than it is than we are in the South. And so I think that um, I think that we will see states become legal in the South and on the East Coast more now that a lot more states are becoming legal out on the West Coast. I mean, on the East Coast, what we have Washington, D.C. So if you're in Washington, D.C., you can get into the uh, recreational or medical or hemp uh, um career uh career options if you are in i believe florida florida has a medical program right now 
Um, New Jersey, I think, is opening up a medical program. Ohio has a medical program. Uh, New York has a medical program. And I think they're trying to go recreational before 2020. So um, I would, if I were to give you a timeline of when I think cannabis will be in every single, when there will be a cannabis program in every single state before 2022. Okay. Okay. Now, yep. So we still have time. Yeah. That's, that's more than I thought. Uh, going back to what we were talking about as far as advertising. So since you guys can't advertise as much because, you know, of I guess the, the laws aren't allowing it or the platforms aren't allowing it right now. Um, yep. What do you guys do? And what is your process for creating content? Because you guys have to be content heavy just to be able to get the word out there. So what do you do? What do you look for? How do you approach it? Give me a feel of how you create content to bring awareness to Canapreneur. Um, well, I, I, for me, with my content, I try to find everything natural. Um, I don't try to – I am in San Diego, California, so I don't try to just – uh, be so minority and pro-black because uh, that we, you know, if, if, if you're here, you know, it's, it, it, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't LA. This ain't LA. This ain't Oakland. And, you know, this is San Diego, and um, it, we are definitely a minority here. So um, we really have to, we really have to become. When I look to create content, I look to team up with uh, people of value here in the state of California. Um, I like to do a lot of. I like to do a lot of interviews or a lot of educational sessions because I do feel as if education, instead, if, if you're out there flaunting weed, if you are just taking pictures of cannabis and posting it and, you know, talking about buy this and purchase this, then you're going to be blocked on Instagram. However, if you go at it right now where we are in the world, you got to go with the world. You can't go against the world because the world will go against you. You know what I mean? So you got to go with what's going on right now. And what's going on is people want to see education. People need to be educated. So I don't see them really kicking educators off of the social media platforms because education is really big. So when I create content, um, I mean, I, for instance, I have a background in um, in healthcare, so uh, it just comes more natural for me to be able to talk about these types of um, these types of uh, uh, categories and these types of topics, you know. And so when I create content, um, it's usually always just I try to put out educational stuff because I don't see education being, um, you know, uh, kicked off of Instagram platform as if, like I said, uh, you posting pictures of beautiful cannabis plants. Um, also, um, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just, I don't know how I create content to be real. I, I, I'm not, I mean, I don't really, I guess I am a content creator, but all this stuff is really just from the heart. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't care if, if, if two people hear me or 2000 people hear me, you know, I, I just enjoy putting this information out. And I think that when you create content, you really got to enjoy it or you're not going to be able to continue to put it out. So it has to be something that you enjoy. So for people who want to be content creators within the cannabis space or want to be influencers, I would say that you need to first do your research on the different types of uh, industries within the cannabis industry. And then you need to look at, um, you know, other Instagram pages that are already um, or Twitter or whatever that are already putting out this type of content, study that. 
what I found was that um, there is no, there is not much content period about CBD and there's not much content out there on the benefits and on the laws and social equity. Now, as the, um, we didn't really talk about um, my position. We didn't really talk about my position uh, right now with minorities for medical marijuana as their chapter president in the South. However, um, you know, I think that that is a really big thing, uh, social equity. And I think that um, if you are a content creator, you don't really need any type of uh, real, real education or anything to talk about social equity. You know, you can look that up and go fight for that in your state and, make, and create content and just put it out there because people just want to hear you. People just want to hear content. They want to they wanna feel like, you know, people just want to feel like they know what's going on at all times. And, you know, and so I used to just put out content, but I wouldn't tell you, I would, I would tell you, don't put out invaluable content. It has to be valuable because people can read between the lines of someone who's fake and someone that's real really fast. And, it, and, and you can really destroy your brand and, and everything based off of the type of content that you put out there. So I wouldn't say go talk about the benefits of CBD and you don't know what you're talking about because people will sniff that out and you got, I mean, you got people that are, you know, that, that are really advocates out here and they'll go look at your page and then they'll, they'll repost you and be like, this is not a guy that y'all want to listen to. And people will start unfollowing you because um, there are, a, there are a, there's a small number of cannabis educators in America right now. There's a very small number of people who are focused on educating. Most people are focused on selling the product and making money, and they're doing a great job. I mean, I know a lot of multimillionaires and millionaires that are in the cannabis space, but they don't educate at all. So they bring me in, and they call me. They're on my phone all the time like, hey, you know, Cannapreneur, how can we bring you out here? How can we get you involved? Can you make, can you create some content for our viewers to talk about our product? So, you know, now it's just becoming a, a lifestyle for me. That makes sense. Um, if somebody wanted to get into the marijuana space, where are their opportunities right now? Um, the biggest opportunity, and, I'm, and, and I am a huge advocate for it, is hemp. You want to get into the hemp space. If you have land, if you have acres of land, you need to be, you need to be finding a farmer to plant hemp seeds. That's what you need to be doing. You need to be taking that land and you need to be growing hemp on it, industrial hemp. Hemp, if, if, you don't know, um, if you don't know the benefits of hemp, it doesn't just have medical benefits. I mean, hemp, can, hemp is biodegradable. Um, there's a project in Los Angeles right now. Um, I, uh, the guy, I met with him about two weeks ago, and uh, they, uh, they are creating um, industrial hemp homes, so they're making hemp concrete. So they're creating hemp concrete homes um, for the homeless. And literally, do you know how innovating and in, 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 in life-changing that is? Because if we make all of our homes out of hemp, um, it would be amazing. And then hemp also, let's say you have like, let's say you have like some toxins in the air. If you have a hemp farm and you plant some hemp, hemp actually absorbs the toxins out the air. 
that's another really big uh, major key that people miss out on and, and, and don't know is that hemp has, you can make hemp clothes. You can make clothing out of hemp. You can make toilet paper. You can make paper towels. You can make straws. You can make all types of stuff out of hemp that's biodegradable. So instead, so when people are talking about us littering and destroying our environment through littering, you could throw a hemp, you can throw a piece of hemp paper out on the street and it'll just break down because it's biodegradable. So um, I would tell you that if you are an engineer, if you're a black engineer, if you are a black agriculture major or a black agriculture, uh, you know, um, um, you work in the agricultural field, if you are a black uh, uh, health educator, anything, I would be pushing for hemp because that's, they've laid it in our hands. They've allowed for us to 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 actually be able to use something within the cannabis space to be able to create generational wealth for ourselves. Nice. And so um, I, I, I would be a huge advocate, like I said, for uh, telling people, get into CBD. If you, you can create an e-commerce store, an online store, you never have to even touch the product. Just make connections with CBD companies via Instagram, Send them DMs, be like, hey, I'm such and such, CEO, founder of such and such, and I am looking to start a drop shipping process company for CBD. I want to, I want to sell your products. These companies are not going to tell you no. You know why? Because all of these companies are looking for people to push their product because it's hard enough to advertise. What type of licensing issues do you run into with that, though? Vince? Vince Proctor. Within all 50 states. You're breaking up, Vince. super um, rough, there is no super rough um, process for going through the hemp process. Now, to farm hemp, then obviously you would just get a, I mean, I'm not a farmer, so I'm not 100% sure. So if I'm wrong, I apologize, but I'm pretty sure there's some type of license that um, farmers have to have, you know what I mean, some type of, some type of uh, regulatory license. So you just go get that same license that uh, an avocado or a tomato farmer would get. You get the same license because hemp is legal. Hemp, hemp is just like, hemp is just like uh, tomatoes right now. You can grow hemp in your front yard, your backyard. The police come by. If they say something to you, you tell them to get the hell out your face. This is hemp. They, they have nothing to say to you. That's what the president just made legal as of last year for the entire country. And the only people that are up on this information right now are rich people are people that are not people that are not minorities. And that's why I'm really pushing. So with President Trump doing something that could be beneficial to the cannabis space. Can you hear me? Are you still there? Can you hear me, Vince? Yeah. Can you hear me, Vince? I can hear you. Hello? You still there? Hey, can you hear me? Hey, Vince, are you still there? 
Can you hear me, Vince? Hey, I'm back. All right. All right. We good. Cool. So um, what type of threats do you see that can stop the growth of the cannabis industry? Um, to be honest, I don't see any threats. I, I think that, um, I think that, well, the only threats that I can see that will stop the growth is the way that, well, there is a threat, the way that states, uh, regulate it, state regulation. I think that that is the, that's the biggest threat right now is the way that states are regulating it. Because if, if you think about it, um, they all have different laws, so it really leaves everybody uh, not on the same page, you know. There, there aren't all these different laws when it comes to to to, to alcohol or to to, uh, to tobacco products, and so I think that that is probably one of the biggest um, hiccups is that these states are not on the same page. Uh, it should just be one federal regulation for every single state to abide by, and I think that if they keep it if they keep it separate the way that they're doing. Um, Cannabis won't be the same in every single state, which means that if you think about it, um, if I am, let's just take a really popular brand. If I'm Cookies, all right, by Burner. If I'm Cookies and I started in California and I'm used to these regulations and now I got to go and I'm going to make Cookies Florida and Cookies New York, all right? Now, <laughs> if New York has a different regulation and Florida has a different regulation, one's medical and one's recreational, it's, 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 but the laws are different. The zoning's different. It's just, it's tough. You know, it's, it's tough on the business owners. Um, it's very stressful and it's not an easy process. So I don't, I think that it would, uh, it would keep all of these different regulations are going to keep the common person that doesn't have patience away from being business owners within cannabis. Um, that's the only, uh, downfall that I see. I think other than that, Cannabis is going to move forward the way that it's supposed to move, and you can guarantee that it, they've already made hemp legal. You can guarantee they're going to make THC legal as well. It's just they're trying to figure out the way to tax it uh, federally. Right. That makes sense. So if, if there was any question uh, you wanted to ask anybody that's listening to this podcast, yes, sir. Um, what would you ask? It can be anything from what's your favorite fruit to where are you from to do you want to be a part of this cannabis industry? You can ask anything. So I'm going to give you a chance to ask the question of the day. My question of the day actually would be this. Do you want to create general generational wealth for you and your family from, from the day that you pass away do you want to leave a legacy? Do you want to leave something that your kids and your kids' kids and your kids' kids' kids are going to remember? And if your answer is yes, then I would say that the cannabis industry is a great industry for you to start looking into because I'm what, I am what they call a pioneer. If you want, you have, like, pioneers are remembered forever. I mean, um, if you look at Booker T. Washington, you look at George Washington Carver, all these men were pioneers of, of, of great things that we look up to today. And, and that's what I want to, that's how I want to be seen in the future as well when it, when it comes to the African-American community. 
you know, I, I want to be known as a pioneer in the cannabis space. And, you know, and so if, if, if your goal may not be to be a, to have all of that, but if you just want to create generational wealth, or if you just want, if you want to, you know, if you want to find out a way to be able to get into your own business, you know, that I would say cannabis is that way. So do you want to create generational wealth? That is my question. That's good. And, and the best answer, just DM HBCU grad or DM cannapreneur and we'll, we'll uh, take notes and see who has the best one or may the best five, best 10, and you'll get a free shirt. So DM us your answer. I'll fr- and, 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 and you know what? I'll throw in something with you. They get a free shirt and then they'll get, um, I'll get one of my sponsors. We'll, uh, I'll send this recording to my sponsors and we'll get some CBD packages put together for people. Um, and we'll, we'll get them a CBD package, compliments of the Canapreneur. There you go. So you got HBCU grad and Canapreneur together. Just DM us the answer to the question of the day. And what do you want to say? Top three? Top three to get something? Top three get something. That's perfect. All right, top three get something. And it, and and my gift bags they're gonna be they're gonna be uh probably two over two hundred dollars worth of product in it. So, wow, sounds good. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, let them know where they can find you on social media. Yep. So I'm on Instagram um, at the Canapreneur. That's T H E C A N N A. P-R-E-N-E-U-R, the Canapreneur, or you can follow me at Canapreneur Society, which is, uh, which is uh, my uh, Canapreneur Society, which is my company. Um, and uh, you can also follow my family. Uh, like I said, I am the Southern California president for Minorities for Medical Marijuana. Um, they are fighting for social equity advocacy. They have over 23 chapter presidents right now throughout the United States. So we are in 23 different states. So honestly, um, if, if you are a minority and you're looking to get into the cannabis space, join M4MM, Minorities for Medical Marijuana. You can follow them on Instagram at vote yes, the number four, bud, B-U-D, vote yes for bud. Um, and uh, they will be more than happy to get you started and get you in touch with um, get you in touch with uh, one of the chapter presidents in your state. Um, and if you, um, you can also go to my website, www.cannapreneursociety.com, and you can become a Cannapreneur Society member and uh, get in touch with me and all of my resources, and I can help you. I'm a consultant. I can help you build out your ideas, and we can help you build out that brand. That sounds good. Thank you, Vincent. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Uh, you sure. taught us a lot. Um, your passion is infectious. Uh, I, have a, I have a feeling that you're going to do some great things. Um, yes, if there's ever anything that we can do to help, we're always here. Yes, sir. And, um, do you have any final last words? Um, I appreciate everybody uh, listening to this episode and uh, like I said you guys can contact me I am a safe I am a safety net for you um, and I, I, I am ready I'm here and I'm ready to work for you and with you so with that being said um, uh, thank you so much and I'll talk to you guys later thank you Vincent everyone have a good day yes sir bye bye
Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. We really, really appreciate you tuning in to the HBCU audio experience. Uh, this is episode two. Uh, I'm going to try to come out with a different episode every week. So Monday or Tuesday, we'll release it. Uh, again, thanks for listening and I wish you the best catching on the next episode.